The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. You're true to your word. You are good. You are kind. You're generous. And we just want to worship you. We just want to say thank you. Lord, we just come before you as your children around your word. We pray that you'll speak to our hearts. We pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word to us today. Encourage our faith, challenge us, correct us, rebuke us. Call us, Lord, to trust in you more. Whatever it is, Lord, that we need from you today, will you speak that word into our heart, we pray. Pray that you'll help me, Lord, to communicate your word faithfully. And Lord, to reflect your glory and to point people to Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's exciting for me to come and continue our series this morning. We're in Hebrews chapter 13. um, And we've been journeying through this series that Anuj launched us off last week awesomely, brilliantly, fantastically. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go listen to the podcast uh, where we're looking at transforming faith in in a faithful God. And we've been engaging with this idea that Uh, According to the message of Hebrews, when we understand the gospel, when we understand the work of Christ in our lives, it, it will result in change. It will result in transformation. That's the message of Hebrews. And he's writing to people who were discouraged, who were being persecuted, who were going through hardships. And so the first 10 chapters, he's reminding them of the supremacy of Christ, how all that Jesus has done for them is worth holding on to. And then in chapter 11, he's encouraging them with many of the heroes of the faith. Chapter 12, he begins to then apply all of that and says, in your context, when you're going through hard times, hang on to God. Hang on to Jesus because he's worth holding on to. And then in chapter 13, he just unpacks how all of that ought to then reflect in how they live their life. And he goes through these many, many practical statements where he's calling this church to show their faith, the reality of what Jesus has done in their life. And so this morning, we want to bring all of that thinking into our discussion on serving this morning. Today is our Volunteer Appreciation Day, and we want to show uh, our gratitude and our appreciation and to acknowledge all our volunteers today. And so we're going to come to Hebrews 13. We're going to jump a whole section and go to the benediction part, verse 20 and 21, as we think about serving, as we think about how as Christians... We are to reflect the, the Savior who ser- served us in the cross. And as we remember that, as we remember the gospel, to serve each other differently. I want to suggest to you that really the only way we can serve each other in a way that honors God, in a way that's joyful, in a way that's liberating, is to fully appreciate the gospel. And to fully understand all that God has done for us in Christ. And when we get that, and when that grips our heart, it will radically affect how we serve one another. So we're just going to be real quick here because some of these things are really obvious. um, And then we're going to spend some time just affirming and acknowledging our volunteers. So verse 21, verse 20 and 21, we're going to look at Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. 
So just three things I want to point out to you real quick. Firstly, the God we serve. The writer of the Hebrews here wants this church to really understand who it is they're serving, who it is that they are gathered around. And it is the God of peace. Romans tells us that God through Christ has brought reconciliation. We have God's shalom. When, when the New Testament talks about peace, it's talking about this uh, end time, ultimate eschatological salvation. In other words, what we have in Christ, this friendship with God. And so we don't serve to try and earn that. We don't serve to try and get God's favor to be on good terms with God, the writer reminds them that he's the God of peace. We already have that. We've already been reconciled to him in the gospel. And this God is not only the God of peace, but he's the God that through the blood of the eternal covenant has worked in our life. And this this speaks of this eternal inheritance that we have through Jesus. So our serving, we're serving the God who's demonstrated what serving looks like through His own sacrifice. It, it is through the blood, and that speaks of the cross, and that speaks of the suffering servant. And so we're reminded that the God we serve is not the one who stands in a distance demanding service from us. He's the God who has first served us. And who has brought about this eternal covenant. He's the faithful God. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's the promise-keeping God. And so we have this eternal inheritance secure in Christ. And so again, we don't serve to get. We don't serve to get God's blessing, to get on God's good terms, because we already have the fullness of God in Christ. He's not only the God of peace and the God who's faithful to keep an eternal covenant, but He's the God who's powerful enough to bring back from the dead our Lord Jesus. So we serve a powerful God. And that's really encouraging to us in the moments when we're discouraged and weary from serving. And if you've been serving in church any length of time, you know the reality of this. But the writer reminds us, but our God, the God we serve, is a powerful God. And He's able to raise the dead. He's able to feed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. He's able to do incredibly amazing, powerful things. And when you doubt the sufficiency of what you bring to serve, your time, your energy, your resources, your talent, as you look at it and go, what difference is this going to make? You're looking at the wrong place. But if you set your eyes on the God that you serve, then that will encourage you to realize that our God is powerful enough to take what you offer Him and do amazing things with it. He's a powerful God. And then the writer goes on to say, he brings back uh, from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. He's a compassionate God. You see, when the Bible describes Jesus as the the shepherd, it takes us back to John chapter 10 where Jesus talks about how his heart is to tend his flock and to care for them and to feed them and to nurture them and ultimately to lay down his life for his sheep. That is the God we serve who has in his sovereign grace decided to use you and me in that process of feeding his sheep. Jesus is not here physically anymore, but he has filled each of us with his spirit to continue his work of compassion for his flock. We see the heart of God here going, this is my flock, this is, these are my sheep, and I love them, and I've laid down my life for them, and now I've entrusted you with that responsibility to care for one another. I remember reading one time, somebody saying that it's like God took a part of his heart and deposited it into each one of our hearts so that we have that compassion, his compassion that moves us to serve one another in love. So it's the God we serve. We need to have a clear vision and a focus of the God we serve. The second thing the writer reminds us of is the resources that we've been given in serving. 
the resources in us. I mean, verse 21, he says that this God that we've just talked about, he's the one that equips us. He's the one. God doesn't just say, okay, off you go now. You, you can do it on your own. No, the Bible everywhere tells us that God has given each one of us good gifts. He's given us the, the means and the ability to serve one another with spiritual gifts, with practical gifts, with a deposit of himself that we are now stewards of. See, whatever talent you have, and not just in the church, what I'm talking about in the workplace, wherever you are, in your sporting ability, your musical ability, all of that is from God. He's the one that's given that to you. And in, certainly in the church, in the, in the local assembly, we, we need to make sure that we understand that this is not my talent or my gift or my ministry. We're stewards that have been given a trust and the writer reminds us that we have the resources that we have because it's been given to us. And because it's given, we're responsible for what we do with it. So how are we using what God's given us? Are we stewarding responsibly, generously, all that God has equipped us with? He goes on. This equipping is an equipping of everything good for doing His will. Everything good. The word equipping can mean two things. One is to provide something that's lacking, something that's necessary. Or it can also mean to mend something that's torn or to repair something, restore something that's broken. Now, when you read it all together, equipping you with everything good for doing His will, what is the writer saying? The resources we have is sufficient to meet the needs of our community. That God has placed within this community all that's needed for everything good to do His will. To, to provide what's lacking and to heal and restore and mend each other. We, we have in, the, in this community the gifts and the resources and the talents and the ability and the spiritual gifts to effectively care for each other in doing good according to the will of God. We have everything we need. The question is, are we seeing the reality of that are we seeing each person bringing their contribution with that idea that god has equipped this local church with everything that we need and i am part of that that god has given me a deposit god has given me something to share uh, something to bring into this community to contribute to providing what's lacking and to bring healing and restoration are we serving each other with that mindset and then he goes on to say, everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us. That speaks to me that, again, as we've heard about, that it's the God of power that empowers us from within. It's the Spirit that enables us. As the Bible says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his Spirit. And it's as we continually open our hearts to him, and as Ephesians and other uh, letters remind us, as we receive more and more of the Spirit's enabling and power, then we will have all the resources we need to continue to serve God and his people powerfully and faithfully. And we can trust that because it is he that works in us, that we will see supernatural things. We will see extraordinary things. We will see God take the, the, the little that we bring and multiply it and, and bless less people through our acts of kindness and generosity and thoughtfulness and, and the, the very practical things each of us do. Uh, we should never look down or despise on what we bring and how we serve just because it's practical. Because again, God is at work in all of those things to care for and build this community. The last thing he focuses on is our reason for serving or the reasons for serving. And he says here that he will equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. 
The first reason I want to suggest to you that we serve is so that we can honor and please God. That's it. It's, it's our way of doing His will, we're told. And as God's kids, He loves it when we care for each other, when we serve each other as family. I know as a dad, I love it when my daughter serves my son, or when my son, it happens much more rarely, cares for anybody else uh, in the family. But it, it's, a, it's a wonderful joy, and because it is so rare, I celebrate it every time I see it. But as a father, you delight to see your kids caring for each other because they recognize that they're family. And it's the same here. We please God. We please our father when as his kids, we love each other and we serve each other and we bring everything that God's given us to care for one another. God goes, I love that. That's my family. Those are my kids. And they're loving on each other. That's the first reason he gives us, what is pleasing to him. And, and then he goes on to say, um, actually throughout in this, uh, this section, beginning in 1228, if you jump back there, that he says, let us be thankful in light of everything he's said so far and so worship God acceptably. Worship God acceptably. And then in verse 16 of chapter 13, he says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others for which such sacrifices, that's worship language again, such sacrifices, God is pleased. And so I want to suggest to you, if you come to church, and this is going to sound really harsh, but that's okay. If you come to church and you're passionately singing, and you raise your hands and you clap and you dance and you, 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 you worship God that way. Or you stand really quietly but you genuinely and sincerely worship God in the, in the singing part. But then you don't serve or you don't contribute or you're not thinking about how you can bless someone else. There's something lacking in your acceptable worship. Because worship is not just a personal experience of you and God. It's what you do in community to serve one another according to Hebrews it's these sacrifices that please God, doing good and being generous with each other. So it's to please Him. The second thing He says is we please Him through Jesus. I want to suggest to you that as you serve, you experience more of Jesus. It's a profound thing. And it's, it's I guess, what Jesus talked about in John 15, where we're abiding in the vine. And as we abide in the vine, we produce fruit. And it's like as we produce more fruit, we abide in the vine. And the branches that don't, what happens? They get pruned so that they can produce more, so that the life of the vine can flow through them more. And I've seen that in my years of ministry, that as people serve, their relationship with Jesus is enriched. And the moment people stop serving, something begins to die on the inside in their relationship with Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that the writer of the Hebrews is saying that's another reason to serve so we can experience the life and love and joy and grace and presence of Jesus more and more in our lives. The last reason he gives us is to whom be glory forever and ever. And this is ultimately the reason that should drive everything we do as Christians is that we're about pointing people to God. We're about directing people's attention to Jesus. We're about not making much of myself, no matter how talented and gifted and capable we are. It's always about, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about His name, His fame. It's pointing people to Jesus. It's to glorify God. It's to celebrate the wonder of God's salvation and God's goodness and God's grace. And that's why I serve. And that's why I serve the way I do. Because it's about what Jesus has done for me. And I respond in serving that way because my heart has been transformed by his gospel, by his salvation. So in terms of some practicalities this morning, we want to say thank you 
want to say thank you to all our amazing volunteers. Without your contribution and your help, PCC would be the lesser. It's the body as it ministers to each other that edifies and grows. So we want to say thank you to our incredible volunteers. And we've got a, a, a scripture that you know, kind of reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 5, and we looked at this when we preached. It says this, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. And this morning, we want to acknowledge those who've been working hard among us and being a blessing to our body. So We've got a video where PCC says thank you to our volunteers. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I'm very thankful for the volunteers from our church that come down to food care. Because without the volunteers, you know, we wouldn't survive down in food care, particularly on Thursday night. So I'm very thankful for those volunteers that come down. I'm thankful band. Uh, thanks guys for sharing your passion and your energy every Sunday with us. Um, you're awesome. Thanks. Really thankful for the mowing team. Thank you so much guys. I'm thankful for the, the Sunday school teachers because they teach us about God. I'm just really grateful for the ladies that uh, set up the coffee and morning tea. I think it's a, a great opportunity for us to come and have fellowship outside. So really appreciate all the gifts and talents that they share with us in their culinary expertise. I'm very thankful to the people who do this ministry, the music, sorry, the AV. Uh, these guys are amazing. They're so good. It has to be so uh, uh, such a difficult job to keep the volumes, the microphones, uh, no noises and all these things. So thank God for these people. God bless them. It's an amazing job. For the service team uh, who comes uh, regularly early morning to set up, uh, they do things behind the scenes and nobody knows. And thank you very much to all those who are volunteering in the service team. Thank you. Hi volunteers, I just wanted to say a massive thank you on behalf of the church for all the incredible work that you do, particularly all of the stuff behind the scenes that many of us don't actually know about. I wanted to particularly thank all of our Sunday school workers. Thank you so much for investing in the lives of our young um, people. They're not just the church of the future, they're also a part of the church of today. So thank you for sacrificing your time and sowing into their lives and, and trusting that they're going to reap an incredible harvest in the future. There's just uh, so many great people to thank, you know, um, just where do I start? There's so many. Um, I want to thank um, the deacons um, and the people who are in charge of just making sure the service runs um, and making sure that the communion comes out right and, um, you know, get the little cups out and everything. Yeah, so thanks guys. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for those who volunteer their time to the development of the children. They are the future of the church, and it's a blessing to know that the children are growing to be the men and women God has called them to be, and to uphold the gospel as we pass it over to them. So I thank them for their lives, and I bless them that they continue to teach them, depend on the wisdom of Christ and on the Spirit of God to guide them in all their teachings, and I bless them for all what they do. Okay. Thank you to everyone involved in our worship team for facilitating uh, authentic worship for us week in and week out. Yeah, I'm very grateful for all the 
years uh, uh, that serve in PCC uh, because I consider it uh, every service as an act of worship to God. Uh, so I'm very thankful uh, for every volunteer because um, that's what PCC is. I'm thankful for our kids ministry team who uh, look after the kids and do a great job uh, teaching them about God. I just want to say thank you. you know, I'm really thankful for those who serve at the door. When people come to church, it's the first people they see and they always have a bright smile, always very welcoming and it's such an important ministry. And so I just want to say a big hearty thank you to you guys. You're incredible. Thank you. We love you. I want to thank the volunteers for the crazy people, also for hospitality and for the kids. Good job, guys. God bless all of you. Hey, guys. I just want to say a, great th a big thank you to the worship team and the sound guys. You do a great job every week, me, me included, I'm thanking myself. <laughs> but those guys, especially at these uh, combined services and when we do outside broadcasts, the guys that set up and do the pack up, it's, ama it's amazing work and you've got to get here super early, make sure it all works in the new venue and the worship always sounds great and um, it's, yeah, it's great to be a part of PCC and worship with you guys. Thank Thank you. And thank you to our wonderful crash team and our many music volunteers who faithfully serve each week to bless our families and our mums and our dads and bless the kids. Thank you very much. Yeah, we are, we, we are really thankful for um, all the volunteers, uh, the things that they do in our church. Um, uh, it's a really a selfless act to come in early and, uh, you know, just arrange these chairs. And, and this morning when I walked in, I could see it's all arranged and, and I realized how many people have come in and put so much of work. Um, and we used to do this in the past and I, I know the effort that it takes. Uh, it's a really a selfless act and, and you're doing it for God. Uh, and uh, I say thank you, thank you very much uh, for serving uh, God's people. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Well, what can I say? We're here at Dundas uh, Community Centre at our combined service and we would not be able to do this if it wasn't for all our volunteers. People got here at 7.30 to help unload the van and set it all up. Um, and so many people have been involved in every aspect of this service. So without volunteers like you, we would not be able to do church the way we do it at PCC. So thank you, everyone, and all the part that you play in making our church great. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.